When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, in this episode, we're going to go over some Bengals headlines. We're going to talk about the roller coaster year that the 2023 season was, and we're also going to quickly discuss the NFL playoffs. What's up, Bengal Nation? This is Adrian the Mad Backer Ross, and you're listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. Who day? Cincinnati Bengals fans, I would like to introduce Frank LaPlaca. All right, so here we are in NFL Championship Weekend, the final four of the NFL. We're used to being there because we were there the two previous seasons, and all I can think about is how with a healthy Joe Burrow, we can beat all four of the teams that are remaining. All right, so let's quickly review the headlines, and there's really only one major headline this week, and that is Coach Brian Callahan becoming the head coach of the Tennessee Titans. I want to say congratulations. Every coordinator wants to be a head coach, and he paid his dues, and he was part of a winning program for several years. He contributed a lot to this offense. I know Coach Taylor calls the plays, but Coach Callahan was instrumental in assisting with calling the plays, managing the offense, coming up with schemes, and just all around contributing to a winning effort. Tennessee had a great coach in Vrabel. I really don't know why they moved on from him, but they're going to have a great offensive mind there. Now they have to figure out if Levis is going to be their quarterback of the future, maybe get some additional weapons, and we'll see what Coach Callahan can do down there. I wish him good luck, but not too much luck because he remains in the AFC. All right, so let's quickly go over NFL Divisional Playoff Weekend. First off, there was a big narrative on comparing Allen and Mahomes to Manning versus Brady, and we all know that that's not the true comparison. It's Joe Burrow and Mahomes is like the Manning and the Brady of this generation. Keep in mind, Joe Burrow is 5-1 against Allen and Mahomes. Allen's never beaten Mahomes. So because we had an injured Joe Burrow this year, he didn't get mentioned in that narrative. But us true Bengal fans and all of the real NFL fans that are in the know know that it's Burrow-Mahomes equals Manning and Brady. And hopefully by the time they're done, Burrow's going to have a couple more rings than Mahomes. All right, so the NFL playoff games, Ravens versus Texans. I was excited about Stroud. I think he's been playing great this year. I mean, he just turned that franchise around in a very Burrow-esque manner. 
and he just couldn't do anything against the Ravens. So this seems to be the Ravens' year. They're just beating up everybody. They had a great record. You know, they're they're probably very thankful that Joe Burrow wasn't healthy because we would have given them problems and hopefully been in their spot right now. But it is what it is, and the Ravens destroyed the Texans, and they're going to be moving on to the AFC Championship game. Chiefs and Bills, what a game. You know, what a rivalry in itself. Every game that they play is exciting, down to the wire, and Mahomes just seems to win every time. The Chiefs got a little bit lucky at the end. You know, the Bills had the missed field goal. Man, they just can't can't get away from that wide right syndrome. The Bills, which are the Bengals' closest allies in the AFC, I would imagine, you know, go back to misery and you see fans crying in the audience. And, you know, I get it. You know, they've had some success as an organization, but four straight Super Bowls without winning and, you know, not being able to get past Mahomes, that's a lot of frustration for a pretty good franchise. And the Chiefs, they're not what they were in, in previous seasons. You can see it. They just don't have as many weapons. And I don't care what anyone says. Kelsey is slowing down a bit. You could just see it. Pacheco is a massive weapon for them. Mahomes didn't have his greatest year, but enough to get to the championship game. So now it's going to be Chiefs versus Ravens. Who do you root for as a Bengals fan? Man, I just don't want to see Mahomes get it and, and be flooded with Mahomes and Reed and... Kelsey commercials for the next four years again and then you don't want the Ravens to get it because you know aside from the Steelers they're our most hated rival so I, I can't even root for anyone I hope it's a draw and and neither one of them gets to go to the Super Bowl I know that's not possible but there is just no win there for the Bengals fans so I don't know who I'm rooting for I'm just rooting for one of them to get there and get destroyed in the Super Bowl and it's unfortunate that those are the two teams that we're going to have to watch step on the big stage and get all the glory, but hopefully they get embarrassed in the big game. Packers and Niners. Niners barely got past the Packers. The Packers got hot late. You can see that Jordan Love is going to be one of those quarterbacks. You know, if he continues, he's going to have a really good career down there, and they almost beat the Niners. And the Niners with Purdy, I'm still not a full believer. Maybe I'm foolish for thinking that. I mean, he he is going to his second NFC Championship game in a row. But there's some vulnerabilities on that team. I know they have some great talent, a great defense, all the makings to be a Super Bowl team. But I, I wish that Burrow got a piece of them, you know, just like we did midseason. And we showed them who was boss in their own park. Lions and Bucks, the Lions are the feel-good story of the NFL. I'm pulling for them over anyone else. I was actually hoping it was going to be Lions-Texans. But, you know, the powers that be would probably never let that happen. But let's hope that the Lions can get past the Niners. The Lions have a good running game. Goff is coming alive. They have some explosive receivers. They have the tight end that I wish that we had in Laporta. And, you know, they're going to put up a good game. And they, they had a, a real battle with the Bucks. I was surprised that it was so close. They pulled away at the end. And the Bucks surprised everybody. I didn't think they were going to win more than like six, seven games this year. And Mayfield took him down the stretch. And I don't I don't have anything against Baker Mayfield. And he seems to be a very big underdog in the NFL, which makes me root for him just a little bit more. But it, it was deserving for the Lions to get there, deserving for that city and that franchise. So you're going to see Lions against Niners. So if you take my most hated teams, it's Pittsburgh, Ravens, Chiefs, Niners, Rams, Browns, Browns by default because they're in our division, but those are my six least liked teams, and three of them are still alive. Please, Lions, just have your way with these teams and make me a happy man because I hate all those other teams, and I have nothing against you guys. 
you know, you've been an underdog just like the Bengals were for a long time. And I like Campbell as a coach. So right now, it is go Lions. All right, so I'd like to take a trip down memory lane for us. And this memory lane is only one year, so it's going back to the beginning of the 2023 season. And what a season. We're going to go over each game very quickly, but just to do a synopsis of the season. It starts off with Burrow getting hurt in training camp. We come out of the gate and lose two divisional games right away. We're in a hole. Burrow's not right, but we get that big Monday night win against the Rams and then have our worst outing of the season the next week against the Titans. Then we fight for the next few weeks going up and down, trying to get to 500. We finally get there. We go on that Cincinnati Bengals run that we've been doing each season right around the midway point, and we beat the Bills and the Seahawks and the Niners. You know, we go on this huge run. Burrow is back, looking like the hottest team in the league. We have a letdown against the Texans, and then Burrow gets hurt. And now we think all is lost. And then Jake Browning is born and gets us right back into it where we think we have a shot at the end. We don't quite pull it out against the Chiefs and the Steelers at the end of the year. And we finish over 500, but we're not going to the playoffs. But it was a real roller coaster ride. It started off like this season is in the tank. And then it was like, whoa, we're the best team in the league and we're going to do exactly what we did and go to the championship game and beyond. And then the Burrow injury just stifled everything. Browning was reborn, like I just said, and ultimately it just wasn't enough in the end. So overall, a disappointing, and as Joe Burrow put it, it was a weird season. And as Bengal fans, it was a weird season. But those are the kind of weird seasons we have now. It, they're not 2-14, 6-10, 5-12, whatever you want to call it, type seasons. They're seasons where we're in playoff contention right until the end and a threat to go the distance if we get hot. And that is exactly what was happening this year. So a quick synopsis game by game. Game one at Cleveland, a 24-3 loss. If you guys remember, this was that wet ball game where it was it was raining badly. Burrow didn't look himself. The ball was heavy. He had a couple passes come out real strange, which is so unlike him. Robbins wasn't able to punt anything in that weather. Even Deshaun Watson on the other side only had 150-something yards passing. It was 10-3 early in the third, so it was a close, you know, bad weather game. And then the Browns just pulled away. McPherson missed a 51-yarder. Chubb had 106 yards for them. And Burrow had 82 yards on the day. And you had, you know, Fairweather fans and NFL non-experts questioning his ability and his health. And, you know, he showed them that that wasn't an issue in the in the upcoming weeks. So 0-1 after Game 1. Game 2 versus Baltimore at home. 27-24 loss. Even with a compromised Burrow. We almost got the Ravens in this game. He Burrow had two touchdowns. He aggregated his calf on that one scramble, and he did have that one red zone interception, which was probably the difference in this game. Higgins had a couple touchdowns. We let up 178 yards on the ground, so it wasn't a great effort defensively. And we did have the Charlie Jones punt return for a touchdown, which made him a threat and something that all teams had to watch film of for the rest of the season, at least when he was healthy. So the Bengals go to 0-2, two divisional losses. We're thinking, wow, this is a pretty deep hole to climb out of. Game 3 versus the hated Rams on Monday Night Football. 19-16 win by the Bengals. Seemed closer than it was because it was 19-9 all the way until about a minute to go. So the Bengals had that game in control. Burrow was still not right. And in that game, if you remember, we did mostly short passes and screens and everything was, was quick throws at the line of scrimmage. And that actually worked for this game, 
but it burned us for the next week because the Titans were totally onto that scheme. So against the Rams, Chase had 12 receptions, 141 yards. Our defense had six sacks of Stafford, which you'll love to see. And we had two interceptions by Logan Wilson. The Bengals are 1-2, and two, making a big statement in primetime, as usual, in the Joe Burrow era. Game four, the low point of the year, I would say, aside from the Burrow injury, at Titans, a 27-3 loss. We were just outplayed and outphysicaled on both sides of the ball. It wasn't close. And going into that game, I just thought the Titans were going to roll over them, and we just didn't. It was just one of those surprise games that we seem to have every year. You know, we had that one Mike White game against the Jets. We've had a couple of them against the Browns over the years, and it was a game of that nature. And at this point, we're wondering if Joe Burrow was ever going to be right because he really looked worse than ever physically, you know, calf-wise in this game. So now, you know, he had the first game against Cleveland, second game against Baltimore. You think he's kind of getting better, but he re-aggravates it. He has enough to, to generate a win on Monday night, and then it seems like he went backwards against the Titans health-wise. One in three Bengals, but now we're going to Arizona. Arizona with Josh Dobbs starting a 34-20 statement win. Burrow was like miraculously healed. I couldn't believe the transformation from week four to week five. Week four where he looked his most injured to week five where he's throwing for 317 yards, three-plus touchdowns. Chase had 15 catches for 192. Cam Taylor-Britt had a pick six to take the lead before the half. Irwin had eight catches with Higgins out of the lineup, and Jordan Battle kind of made his imprint saying, hey, I'm going to push for a starting position. That was the game where he kind of came alive. Cincinnati Bengals 2-3. and three. We have Seattle coming into our park in game 6, feeling good about that. So Seattle comes in. We win 17-13, a closer game than we thought. Burrow had two touchdowns, including that one to Yosivash, which was nice, his first. Our defense pressured Geno Smith all day. It was 14-10 to 10 at half. And then Cam Taylor-Britt with another huge interception sets us up at the beginning of the fourth quarter. We go up 17-10. They get a late field goal, 17-13. Cincinnati Bengals back to 500 and on the rise. So we have the bye week, another week of rest for Burrow and Higgins and everyone. And we come out game seven at the Niners, a 31-17 statement win. This was the biggest win of the year. We were the toast of the NFL, you know, because at the time the Niners were considered one of the top two or three teams, I think, at that point. And Burrow comes in with three touchdowns. He has that miracle duck away from Bosa and multiple 49ers defenders. Burrow also had 19 straight completions, so now it's like Joe Burrow is back. Chase, another 100-yard game. It was 14-10 to 10 at the half, and then we scored 10 straight points. Logan Wilson had an interception to set up a chase touchdown, a short one. Hendrickson had a strip sack. The defense was alive. Burrow was alive. Chase was alive, and we buried the Niners just like we would if we would have met him in the Super Bowl this year. Bengals are now 4-3, and three, becoming the talk of the NFL, and it's looking like this is going to be another huge season for us. That continues into next week, Game 8, a Sunday night football route of the Buffalo Bills. Burrow, 348 yards, two touchdowns. Higgins back in action, 110 yards. Tanner Hudson was born in this game, and we realized, hey, we have a tight end that can actually get open and create. It was 21-7 at half. It wasn't even close. The Bills got a junk touchdown late. It was a 24-18 game, but it wasn't as close as that score dictates. Bengals 5-3 and three and rolling. 
Game 9 at home against Houston, a 30-27 to loss. We go up 7-0 on the first drive immediately, and it's just like, wow, we beat the Niners, we beat the Bills, and now we're going to stomp on the Texans. And then the Texans just came alive, and they shocked us. And we had issues covering Noah Brown, who had 172 yards. Singletary had 150 yards. We were down 20-7 to at one point, but we kept coming back. It was 27-27. to and the Texans get a field goal at the gun to win it. Burrow, 347 yards. Stroud, 356 yards. A very exciting game. I was shocked that we lost. And I think that game was the birth of the Texans and everyone realizing, wow, these guys are going to be a good team and potentially a playoff team. Chase had that huge 64-yard touchdown. He had 124 yards. Boyd had 117 yards. Hendrickson got hurt late in this game, and we thought, oh, that looks bad. We may have lost him for the season. And sure enough, the tough Hendrickson comes back the next week. Bengals go to 5-4. and four. Game 10 at Baltimore. Looked like we were going to win this game. You could just see by the flow of the game that we were going to win this game. Of course, we lost 34-20. It ended up being a blowout because Burrow was mysteriously injured. I don't know if he came in hurt. It sure looked like it. But it was attributed to the Jadavion Clowney hit. And he landed on his wrist, and Andrews got injured in the game too, so it was a a real injury-prone game for both teams. But it was crazy. Like I I said, when it happened, when Burrow got hurt, I was like, oh, what happened? He's all right. And then you see him trying to throw on the side and shaking his head, and I was like, all right, you know, he'll come back a little bit later. And then I find out he's out for the game, and I'm like, well, he'll be back next week. And then I find out that he's out for the year. It was just a real crazy mystery And that was a game that I really believed that we would have had. You could just see the momentum and the way that game was swinging. It was 10-7, mid-second quarter. And then we just were dejected, and the team just couldn't bounce back from the Burrow injury, and we got blown out. So the Bengals are now 5-5, and and now we're at 500, looking at a season without Joe Burrow. And none of us are believing that we're going to go anywhere. And no disrespect to Jake Browning, he was an unknown commodity. We saw what Brandon Allen had done in there when he came in in the past. And we were thinking it was going to be similar. So game 11 versus Pittsburgh, a 16-10 to loss. Browning's starting debut. Pitt got to him, and he had that red zone pick. That might have been the difference in this game. He, you know, Neither team was lighting it up. Pittsburgh couldn't score. We were having a hard time getting in sync offensively. But that red zone pick kind of turned everything around. It was 7-3 at the half. And then it was 7-3 all the way until late in the third quarter. And I was like, I know we're not looking good on offense, but Pittsburgh has no offense. Let's just hold them down. And they just chipped their way back into the game with field goals. And and it's a 16-7 game late, so we're down by two scores. We get a field goal at the end, but not enough. Bengals lose 16-10. We're 5-6. and six. And that Pittsburgh defense is confusing, so Jake Browning didn't look great. But as fans, we're thinking, okay, we don't have a quarterback that can do anything for us. But you know what? We were wrong. Game 12 at Jacksonville, Monday Night Football, 34-31 win. Browning's coming out game on national TV, and I said it twice in previous episodes. I'm going to say it again. Browning controlled his own destiny. He could have bombed the rest of the season and went into obscurity and never been anything in the NFL. Or he could have taken his moment, ran with his opportunities, made a name for himself, and be on his way to fame and riches. And that's exactly what he did, and this game was his coming out party. 
He was 32 for 37, 354 yards. Mixon had a couple touchdowns. Chase had 11 for 149. This game was tied five times. It was such an exciting game. It goes into overtime. Lawrence gets hurt in overtime, if you remember. And the Bengals edge it out with three minutes left in overtime. So each team possessed the ball in overtime. Again, you had those five lead changes. Just an absolute thrilling game. And we've had a few of them this year that are worth the price of admission. But to me, any Bengals game is worth the price of admission. Bengals 6-6 six and six with five games to go. Game 13 at home versus Indy. Garter Minshew comes to town. Jake Browning is too much for him. 34-14 Bengals. Mixon controlled the game. 125 total yards. He had the B.J. Hill interception where he caught it on his back. Chase Brown is born in this game. A lot of people were born this year. And Chase Brown, 54-yard reception for a touchdown early. No Jamar in this game. It was 14-14 at the half. And the Bengals run away with it 20-0 in the second half. 34-14. Jake Browning's star is rising now with two straight decisive wins. And the Bengals are now 7-6. and six. Game 14 versus Minnesota. 27-24. Another overtime game. This was a Saturday game. We had 21 fourth quarter points to go into overtime. We were down by so much in this game. McPherson hits a field goal at the three-minute mark in overtime to win it. Another game where both teams possessed the ball in overtime. We stopped Mullins in this case. Browning, 324 yards, two touchdowns, although sacked five times. Higgins had a couple touchdowns, including the biggest play of the season, that backwards spin to tie the game with under a minute left, I believe. What a play by Higgins to high point the ball with two guys on him and just do this crazy spin and reach out like a helicopter over the goal line. Phenomenal play, one for the ages, almost like the Jerome Simpson flip from a way, ways back. But here we are, 8-6, and six, Browning three in a row, looking like a top 12 quarterback in the league at this point. Game 15, home against Pittsburgh, Christmas Eve, a 34-11 to 11 loss. The offense with Jake Browning just couldn't figure out that Pittsburgh defense. He had three interceptions. He did have 335 yards, but Pitt just had his number. Mason Rudolph had a breakout game. Dare I say he was born this game. I don't know. I'm tired of saying that. Higgins had 140 yards without Chase, but we were down 24 nothing at the half. And you could tell with that defense, it just didn't look like we were going to climb out of that hole. And unfortunately, we weren't able to. Higgins had the huge touchdown, and then Pickens answers with a touchdown. Pickens went for an 86-yard touchdown and a 66-yard touchdown. And I don't mean Carl. I mean the evil Pickens that we don't root for. So the Bengals now go to 8-7, and seven, still in the playoff hunt, but things are getting a little sketchy. Now we're depending on other teams to lose for us to get where we need to get. At this point, we no longer controlled our own destiny, and I want to say, yeah, thanks, Pittsburgh, for that one. So here we are, Game 16 at Kansas City. Wish Joe Burrow was here for that one because it would have been a totally different game, even though Browning did not play badly. 25-17 to loss, but Chase, Boyd, and Higgins, six receptions for 89 yards, not each, but combined. Tough to win when your three horses combined for only 89 yards. We were up 17-7, to so it was looking like the Bengals going to Arrowhead and break their hearts yet again. 
and the Chiefs just chipped their way back in. Six Harrison Butker field goals, one of my most hated players in the NFL as well. And ultimately, we were eliminated by the Chiefs for the second season in a row. Bengals fall to 8-8 eight and eight with one game to go for Pride to be a 500 team. And that last game, there's not much to say about it. Game 17 versus the Cleveland backups, a 31-14 win. Obviously, Cleveland was resting for the playoffs. They didn't start anybody. We had no chance at the playoffs, nothing to lose. It was 31-0 at halftime. You know, it was nice to see our guys get milestones like Mixon with 1,000 yards, Hendrickson with the 17.5 sacks, Chase with the 100 receptions. So we got all those things in. Those guys got some incentive money. And, you know, for the stat guys, they, they hit those milestones. You'll see Vosh had two touchdowns in that game, bringing his total for the season to four. Mixon had a couple touchdowns, which made him some good money in that because he ended up with 11. And the Bengals end the season at 9-8. and eight. Although we didn't go winless in the division, even though that was a gimme game and it was kind of handed to us, 1-5 and five in the division, one of the worst AFC records. And here we are, you know, heading into week 17 of the NFL with still a chance to make the playoffs. So despite all the obstacles... You know, the Burrow injury, breaking in Browning, the rough start. We did what we could with this year, and it wasn't a total castaway year. So I'm kind of glad it's over, even though I'm never glad Bengals football is over. But I'm looking forward to next year with a healthy Joe Burrow, some new additions via free agency and the draft, and just running our way through the AFC. Because we know that we can be the best team in the AFC, and that Super Bowl ring is coming, people. Don't lose hope. It is coming. That'll do it for this episode. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music. Definitely something you should check out. Thank you for listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The unofficial Bengals podcast.